Yemunla. You're listening to Karakeramo EV, Karakeramo, the English version. Karakeramo is a podcast about the representation of the Caribbean in cinema and television. I'm your host, Patra M, and this is episode 9, part 3. Today, we're talking about Aftermath. It's a short film from Trinidad and Tobago, directed by Karen Martinez and released in 2013. It was selected in festivals and it won the Best Short Local Award at the Trinidad and Tobago Film Festival in 2013. You can stream Aftermath on studionnc.tv. Here's the plot. Aftermath tells the story of Abby, a young woman from the upper class, and Curtis, a young man from the lower class, in Trinidad and Tobago. They fall in love at first sight during Jouvert, but they have to say goodbye and return to their separate lives. Can this love at first sight turn into a real love story in broad daylight? In the first Caribbean connection, I talked about how Carnival in the Caribbean is a way to keep our history and traditions alive. Carnival displays how the Caribbean is a cultural mix with distinctive roots. In the second Caribbean connection, I want to talk about the representation of colorism and the social dynamics in Caribbean societies. The Caribbean Connection segment is to discuss how a film makes me reflect on my identity as a black woman, as an Afro-Caribbean woman, as a Guadeloupian woman, and as a French woman. Before we start, let's agree on what colorism means. It's a system based on the hierarchy of individuals according to their skin color. Like any colonized society, Guadeloupean society, as well as Caribbean societies, was built on colorism. The lighter your skin is, the higher you are in the hierarchy, and the more privileges you have. The darker your skin is, the lower you are in the hierarchy. Light-skinned people are at the top of the hierarchy because the white colonizers made themselves the ideal to be. The language we use reflects this classification. I won't say these words here because it's pointless for what I want to say. However, let's be clear that I do think it is okay to describe someone's skin color as long as the skin color isn't used to discriminate. And I think it's more than time that we normalize new ways to describe black skin. So we can let go of terms used to reinforce a privilege. Caribbean society are divided into castes that are difficult to ignore on a daily basis. Carnival is the only time of the year when these barriers can be taken down. Let's go back to the opening sequence, the Jouvet sequence. When Curtis and Abby meet, Curtis is dressed as a blue devil, Abby is dressed as a red devil. Since they are behind a music truck, they cannot talk, yet they manage to connect through the gazes they exchange and just by being physically close to each other. So let's be clear. 
When I say physically close to each other, I mean they walk side by side. They are not whining, they are not dancing. Just in general, the videos that you see on social media about the Caribbean carnival see a bunch of people dancing and whining in a very intense way. And it feeds a lot of wrong ideas that Caribbean carnival is just an excuse for thousands of people to rub against each other for hours. This isn't what playing mass is about. And when you play mass, it's about having fun. And yes, you're close to people. So it's very hot and there's a lot of sweat. So it's just not humanly possible to be whining nonstop for five hours. That's just not possible. And I said what I said. Back to Curtis and Abby. They are physically close, even without the love aspect. It's possible because of carnival. On any other regular day, they wouldn't have been able to just stand this close to each other. And I just love the next sequence where we follow them going home after the end of Jouvet. And the, I mean, they, they go home, but <laughs> they're separate home. And you see their environment and it shows us that they are not from the same social background. They live in different worlds and although there's no difference between them since they make exactly the same gestures to wash themselves off, they get the same warning from their mom about being dirty because of the paint and you get to see how the blue paint and the red paint disappear in the same way. And I really like the symbolism of the paint because it means that they take on a social neutral color. It's like, you know, when people say, I don't see colors, whether you white, black, red, green, purple, it doesn't matter to me. It's, you know, there's not green or red or purple people. It, they just do not exist in our world. So it makes no sense to say that and it's okay to see colors. But here what we see is that as long as Curtis is blue and as long as Abby is red, a relationship is possible. And what's funny is that when you look at their outfits in the daylight, Curtis wears red and Abby wears blue. In any case, when they return to their real social color, they are separated. They cannot be together. According to society's standards, Curtis is black. And you can clearly identify him as such, not only because he's dark-skinned, but because of his hair. And once again, I think it's time that we have this hair discussion with men. Black hair is political. You can wear your natural hair, you can wear braids, you can have a perm, you can wear a wig. People always have something to say about black women's hair. In the past 10 years, we witnessed how the natural hair movement got co-opted by mainstream manufacturers and erased dark-skinned women from the natural hair narrative. Now, by society standards, black natural hair deemed acceptable is curly hair that usually biracial people have. So, 
I think men, black men, should also have this discussion about their perception of black hair. Y'all remember back in the 90s, the late 90s and early 2000s, how it was all about cornrows. Mario, I know him, had an entire song dedicated to having his girl braid his hair. And I feel like it was some kind of rite of passage. When you were a teenage boy back then and you wanted to look cool, you had to have cornrows. It was the same in Guadeloupe. And once you were an adult and ready to be quote-unquote serious, then you had to cut your hair. As Destiny's Child put it, men had to have these low-cut scissors with the deep waves. Deep waves. So that was around 2005, 2008. And then I don't know what the trends were because my focus went to Hallyu and K-pop artists imitating black trends. Right now, I've been reading romance for like four or five years now and the hype is all about having a low fade or a high fade in france i mean at least in the french caribbean community i think singers like admiralty and kalash helped change the narratives around men with dreadlocks before them men with dreadlocks were just gangsters and had a bad reputation now there's the best definition of what sexy means i mean I write Caribbean romance and I'm always asked to have my male lead wear dreadlocks. <laughs> that just that just so funny to me. Uh, but yeah, okay. So yeah, if you look at Curtis in Aftermath, you see how black men hair isn't just hair. It's also a statement because he has this cute fuzzy little afro, whereas his friends have long dreadlocks, so that sets him apart. He could shave his head to have a more acceptable social image. He doesn't. He's tall, he's well-built, but more like a big teddy bear. And in fact, I think he ticks all the boxes of the black men stereotypes created by the Western imagination, but he presents them in a non-threatening way. Besides, he's a young man who cultivates his mind. He has a blog about carnival, so he's also in the process of creating value around the culture of his island. So to me, his character represents the humanization of the black man. His character shows a black man through a positive angle. But he's also a man victim of his circumstances. The history of the island makes him belong to the working class. Without being totally broke, he clearly doesn't have the means to go for the life he dreams of. He doesn't have the money. And the life he dreams of includes love. When he sees Abby in the open, he knows that nothing is possible between them. Abby is light-skinned. I don't know if she's white, and I mean white as in a descendant of white colonizers, or if she's just a light-skinned girl who can pass for white. Since we don't see her parents, the ambiguity remains. Some of you might see clearly what her ethnicity is, I don't. In any case, she isn't the arrogant light-skinned girl or white girl. She isn't the spoiled little witch girl who mingles with the poor for the thrill of it. Abby is aware of her social status 
In one scene, we see her reading the novel The White Woman on the Green Bicycle by Monique Ruffy, which came out in 2011. To make a long story short, this novel tells the story of a British expatriate couple in Trinidad and Tobago during the struggles for independence in the late 1950s. The story unfolds over a period of 50 years. While George, the husband, loves Trinidad because of the status he enjoys as a white man, Sabine, the wife, hates Trinidad because she spends her day doing nothing and she isn't free to move the way she wants to. Honestly, I haven't read the book, but from what the positive and negative reviews say, the story focuses on Sabine's feelings, the guilt she feels about living in Trinidad as a white woman, and the realization of her privilege, even though in the end she stays in this life. So yeah, Abby is aware of the social dynamics in Trinidad just because we see her read this book. Without spoiling too much the storyline of Aftermath, Abby's perspective on her life isn't as definitive as what we get with Sabine in the book, The White Woman on the Green Bicycle, because the ending of the film is quite open. But what we see is that Abby and Curtis have inherited a position, a social status. The situation in which they meet in broad daylight clearly shows they don't live in the same world. The film doesn't tell us love conquers all. The film tells us there's a problem and we know why it exists and we have to make it go away. That's it. It doesn't give us a solution. Colorism is a tricky subject because I think it requires some historical contextualization. And for me, this is really what's great about Aftermath. By using Carnival as a setup, Karen Martinez gives us the historical contextualization specific to the Caribbean. Now, I'm not saying that colorism doesn't exist outside of the Caribbean. I'm saying that the film shows colorism from the Caribbean point of view. And I really mean show, because there's no discussion about it. Nothing is verbalized. So I think that someone who isn't aware of what colorism is will only see the social class obstacle between Abby and Curtis, except that this social class was organized by the slavery system. Someone who knows the history of Carnival in the Caribbean will then understand how Carnival here highlights the intersection of race and class and its impact. Aftermath shows us how this differentiation based on your degree of melanin is a social construct and it still exists today. I did wonder what the performance would have been like if Curtis was the light-skinned character and Abby was the dark-skinned character. The dynamic would probably have been different. This representation of the light-skinned character being a woman and the dark-skinned character being a man is the norm. It's very rare to see a dark-skinned woman being loved and I really hope this narrative will change soon. Anyway, Karen Martinez deals with colorism without having this moralizing perspective. Ooh, colorism is bad. It's mean. The Caribbean society works this way. Can it change? 
I believe it can. Will it change? This is why representation matters. This is how perceptions and mindsets change. And it's one of the things I keep in mind in the films I present you in the podcast. Not necessarily in the films I choose, but I try to highlight this kind of elements because my goal with the podcast is to contribute to the creation of a system of common references to help spread our heritage and to bring awareness to similar issues across the Caribbean. Taken separately, each film can give the impression of being a standalone, lost in the immensity of the international landscape. But when you put them together, you realize that they create alternative representation that will nuance or go against the stereotypes that black people in general and black people from Caribbean societies in particular have to deal with. So to answer my question, which was, if you remember, how does Carnival represent the history and the diversity of Caribbean societies? First of all, Aftermath shows the true spirit of Carnival. That is to say, the moment of gathering of a community where people respect each other. The Caribbean Carnival is entertainment, yes, but it's also political and it's built around our multicultural identities. The costumes, the music and events reflect the culture and history of Caribbean societies. The Carnival of Trinidad is not the Carnival of St. Lucia, which is not the Carnival of Dominica, which is not the Carnival of Guadeloupe and so on. In Caribbean societies, social class is generally linked to race. Colorism dictates the way we interact with each other. And Carnival may hide these different categorizations of human beings, but it does not abolish them. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to my newsletter. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Caro You can give me five stars on Apple Podcasts to give Caro more visibility. Let me know if you enjoy this episode. Caracaramon season 2 is going on a break for a few weeks. There are two reasons. Reason number one, April and May are the month when we celebrate the second abolition of slavery in France. Last year, I recorded my first special edition on the representation of slavery in French cinema and television. I wanted to do the follow-up this year, but really... (laughs) It's a content very stressful to create. So instead, I decided to celebrate Marie's Condé. I'm currently doing the hashtag Condé challenge. I'm reading her books, so I'm going to record mini-zodes to document what her books makes me feel. Reason number two, Caracama is a media partner for the Conch Shell International Film Festival. I will even moderate a panel about Caribbean cinema. Will you guys watch? I hope you will. It will be my first time moderating a panel in English. I need all the support I can get. The festival will be online from May 21st to May 23rd. The selection is already revealed. Make sure to check it out. And I hope I will see you guys there. Stay tuned for more info. See you in June. 
Tiens, Béred. »